We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in. But why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome in to this Wednesday edition Oxford Exxon podcast. Chase Parm, Neil McCready. I'll tell you about Clark Ford here in just a minute. Ole Miss knocks off Mississippi State last night, 86-82. Inside the pavilion, a record crowd of 10,630 were on hand. For that one, more than a thousand more than the uh, previous high attendance for uh, for the building that opened, I think in 2016, something like that, seven eight years now, uh, being opened there on the Ole Miss campus. So Ole Miss moving to 18 and three, five and three in the SEC. They've got Auburn at five o'clock on Saturday. It's already a hard sellout here in Oxford for the Rebels and the Tigers. So we'll hit that a little bit today, or a lot today. Also, we'll uh, discuss Tennessee. They're uh, under investigation, NIL situations, multiple sports. A lot going on there as it relates to the uh, the business and the world of college athletics. So all that coming up on a show brought to you every day by the Oxford Exxon Highway 6 West in Oxford. And really up and down I-55, all over North Mississippi as well. They got their superstore going up in Macomb right now. They take care of you wherever you are in the Magnolia State. So whether it's the beer cave, the lunch specials that are five sixty nine with a couple sides of bread and any size fountain drink, let Blue Sky and the Oxford Exxon take care of you. And then Clark Ford there in Amory, Mississippi. Um, yep, Clark Ford's in Amory, 662-257-1900 is the number. Call it. Ask for our friend Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you are looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. It's right to the bottom line. No hassle, no haggle. You get your quote. <clears throat> the rest is up to you. You can shop that quote around. You can do what I've done, what I recommend that you do, and that's hop into a Clark Ford today, 662-257-1900. Uh, Clark Ford, the guys there, women there, they want to be your car guy, they want to be your truck guy, they'll prove it to you when you make the call, 662-257-1900. Guest join on the Campbell Clinic hotline. The Campbell Clinic is in Oxford now, 26 26- 08 South Lamar Boulevard, Suite 102, just across the street from the cottages at Hooper Hollow. The Campbell Clinic provides full-service orthopedic care, everything from sports medicine to foot and ankle surgery, spine and total joint care, pediatric orthopedics, physical therapy, and more. To book an appointment, go to CampbellClinicOxford.com or call 901-759-3111. 
Walk-ins always welcome at the Campbell Clinic, Monday through Friday, 7.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. Uh, off the top, Chargers pulled it out last night, Neil? Uh, yeah, they did. It was a great game. Two really good teams. Both played really hard. Um, great weather. It was, it, was, it, was, it was cool. Most nervous I've ever been at a sporting event. Probably the happiest I've ever been after. Was it really? Yeah, probably so. Probably so. I was really... I was really happy for I, I, not just my kid, but his friends, and uh, they played really, really hard last night. It was a it was a great game. It was a lot of fun. It was, it was intense. It really was. It was it was cool. I have uh, I have subsequently crammed as much of the Ole Miss State game as I could so that I would be conversant. <laughs> I got back and saw the last two minutes, and then I loaded video and all that stuff, and I I, I started a watch. I, I I've pretty much seen the game now. So I can okay. be I can be pretty conversant with it, but I I, uh, I said this on the message board. I'm very appreciative to you for uh, for covering it for me last night. That I would not have I would have been a basket case at the pavilion trying to keep oh. up with what was going on at at, at Bobby Holcomb Field. <laughs> so how early in it did they they won one to nothing? How early did they score? What was the kind of the situation it was, there? They scored fairly or about midway through the second half, and then and then they just. They had so many opportunities. Both both goalkeepers played really well. Uh, Oxford's goalkeeper is an eighth grader named Davis Trout. His dad, Clark, yeah. is friends, friends of yours. Um, you would never know that Davis was an eighth grader. Uh, he, he he had two incredible saves. He, he played out of his mind. I cannot even imagine like an eighth grader because I've – I can remember when Carson was an eighth grader. I can remember when Carson was a freshman and got in for his first varsity games, how nervous he was, how just overwhelmed he, he looked at times. And Davis, I don't think he has blood. I think it's just ice water in the veins. It's just he's if he's impacted by it, you can't tell. But it was it was a hell of a game. It was it was it was a lot of it was it was wild. He'll be hell in like three or four years. He's going to be hell next year. Yeah. Tupelo's up next. Yeah, I think that's right. I think they get Tupelo. Oh, well, Carson doesn't know any of those kids, so that'll be an easy one. Yeah. I mean, don't worry so, about it. No nerves or nothing. Can, <laughs> at least we can dial the intensity back for a few days. <laughs> oh, yeah, so, Carson, got a, he, Carson got a yellow early in the second half and had to really be careful. Yeah. You get two, for people who don't know soccer, you get two yellows, it's a red. What is and the red penalty in high school soccer? You're out, and your team plays a man down. But there's no suspension or anything. It's just for that game. Okay. I think so. Or I don't know. Okay. I'm not sure. It might be you. You miss a game. Okay. So uh, Carson is a junior for uh, Tupelo Row. Um, <sighs> tons of stuff from last night. I mean, it's, I'm, I'm kind of glad it's a podcast and not a radio show because I feel like we'd have to be a little more organized and feel like we're going in segments. And I'm, I feel like this is going to be more of a rambling deal here because there was there was so much about last night. Um, obviously hit a lot of, of of the micro. Ole Miss does win the game, eighty six eighty two. Again, they moved to eighteen and three, five and three. And I mean, I, I think that number sort of. Because you and I both are very aware of, of what this program was when Chris Beard took over in mid-March. He, he, it's how I led the story last night. They hire him on March 14th or 13th, one or the other. I had the date in the story. And it's the same day Josh Hubbard commits to Mississippi State. Uh, 
Beard had no chance at him. He decommitted the day that Kermit was fired, and then that was it, and he went to state. So the top prep player in the state leaves the team who already is kind of seems like they're devoid of talent. you got to hit the portal, and you got to do all these different things with this thing. And it's been this constant path and this constant work. I had a quote from Keith in my story last night. You can read it there at Rebel Grove. To the best environment that has been in an Ole Miss basketball game ever, or at least arguably since Tad Smith Coliseum, which was a completely different environment and situation, and they're impossible to compare in all these ways. Um, It it was, I mean, Beard said it in his opening, it was a national basketball atmosphere for the for, for the game of college basketball last night. They, they showed up. It was a Tuesday at 7.30. That's not an easy start time. You know, you, you can't say every time people don't show up and go, hey, the reason, you know, 7.30 really matters, you have to give them credit for showing when it's 7.30 too. That, that, that start time does matter in this conversation as we're having it. Sure. And sure. it was – it was an environment that stayed into it the entire time. Ole Miss, you know, I thought I thought early on, and I know like I said you've, you've watched some of it, but it, it, Ole Miss seemed to ha- take a second to get into the game. Um, it looked like maybe for one of the first times, I thought nerves were hitting the Rebels a little bit. State gets four offensive rebounds on the very first possession. Um, and you're kind of like, it just sort of had a hard time getting started. And from and the state's point, good. yeah, and state's they had good. they had two seven point leads. State did in the first half. Ole Miss just yeah. kind of scrapped and scrapped and scrapped, and then Jalen Murray hits a three basically at the buzzer to tie it at thirty nine at the half. And I, I looked over at David Eckert, who I've sit beside, and said, "Ole Miss has no business being tied in this game right now. It's probably a bad sign for Mississippi State." They come out of the locker room. Ole Miss goes on a fourteen three run. They build the lead up to eleven and. You know, look, Ole Miss is 7-0 and in games decided by five points or fewer. A lot of those were early in the year when ball was in the air and all that stuff. But right now, it is just one freaking tough basketball team that, that is playing with an identity of its head coach, even though it's more offensive than defensive. I mean, I was looking at Ken Palm. I think Ole Miss moved up into the 30s nationally in offensive adjusted efficiency um, after, after last night. And they just continue to hit shots, play the game in those final minutes so tough and, and so poised in a lot of ways that 18-3, and 5-3, and three, it is a program that, Neil, I don't recognize and I never would have believed you. No. Um, you know, I was thinking about this last night when I was trying to kind of – because I toyed with the idea of like, hey, stay up, watch, rewatch it, kind of write a column about it. And I was like, there's no way to do that. I, didn't, I couldn't feel it. Um, you know, I, I look back on – uh, Nashville a year ago when case was the interim coach and they played South Carolina who was checked out as hell. Uh, it was GG Jackson and just some dudes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of ironic that last night, South Carolina did what they did. It was kind of like watching two programs that are like totally unrecognizable from 10 months ago. They but, went in Knoxville, by the way, for people yeah, who were under a rock last night yeah, and, and played lights out. Um, but you know, Ole Miss beat South Carolina, and they turned around the next day, and they played Tennessee and just got whacked. And I remember kind of trying to do the locker room thing, and there was no one to talk to in the locker room. And it was just this kind of corpse of a program. And even though the – I mean, I think I've, I've talked about this. The reason I even went was because the Chris Beard stuff was really heating up, and I was talking to people about Beard, and – and so there was an optimism that, hey, this thing's going to be different here soon with, with Beard. But on that night, 
and it was nothing against Wynn or Kermit or anybody. It just they just weren't any good, man. You know what I mean? And they they went four and fifteen in the league if you include the the the, the conference tournament games. Mm-hmm. They just weren't good, and they they, they four didn't... and sixteen. Yeah, that's right, four and sixteen. They 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 didn't have any confidence. They they didn't have any. They just didn't have any life. They were just kind of soulless. It, 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 it was bad. And to see that last night, even on TV, um, I mean, I wasn't there. Obviously, you were there. I wasn't. But I saw the, the, the television part of it at the end. It's, it's, just, it's remarkable. It, it's, it's difficult. It's difficult. Like Chris was asked, you know, how did this night kind of come about? And he gave an answer of it's a lot of people and it's a lot of stuff. And you could tell that he was thinking, I, I don't really know exactly how to put this into words because I think it would take a long time. Uh, he He's done a lot of public outreach, all of that stuff. But to me, what's more interesting than the fandom part of it is his team is, is, is good. He's got some good pieces. I remember at the beginning of the year, he talked about, it's a race against time every day. You've got every day you've got to get better because you're going to be playing teams that have been doing this longer, that are going to be more ahead of you. Um, and chemistry really matters in sports. It matters more than a lot of fans like to give it credit for. It matters more than a lot of media like to give it credit for. He took a bunch of pieces from a lot of different places, and by God, they've just made it work. They win close games. And at the beginning of the year, you'd go, well, they're getting a little lucky. You know, some of this luck's going to go the other way. And now you watch it and you're like, I don't know that it's luck anymore. Even when they get adversity, like last night, five seconds left or whatever, Morrell gets called for a phantom foul. The official was, was anticipating contact, and he blew the whistle. Um. Even in that moment, like just watching body language on the court, they were cool. It was all good. It was all good. Even if the kid makes the free throws, they're like, in their minds, we're okay. We're going to get a possession. We're going to score. Figure it out. Teams that have less chemistry than that, they, they, they lose their cool in those moments. And they don't. And then, you know, after the game, the first thing Beard does is head over to the student section, thanks them and all that stuff. I mean, it was a, a, a huge win because, like you said, first half, and I've gone back and watched this part of it, there's a couple of moments in that first half where – It got it, shaky. It, it, yeah, it's, it's pretty tenuous, where it feels like State's getting ready to go up double digits to take control of the game. And they're a good team. They're a good team. Um, they, they've got bigs. Hubbard's not a great shooter, but he's a great scorer. He played out of his they, mind in the first half. He had 13. He was feeding off the energy. It was obviously a weird night for him. And Yeah. He, and, you know, they got the kid off the bench uh, who, who had the big game for them, who normally gets six points a night, and he got like 15 or 16. They, they had one of those nights, too. Um, and then in the second half, Ole Miss, for the second game in a row, did the best thing you can do is come out of the gate in the second half and punch your opponent in the face. And and they did. They went on, like you said, I think a eleven point run. Um, they were they were up up eleven, and then 
you knew State would kind of make a run back because they're 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 good. They're they a good team. They they can score a lot of points. They're they're they've got multiple guys who can beat you in different ways. And State made a run, and Ole Miss just kept making shots. Like the, the whole Jalen Murray thing, we've talked about this. I mean, at some point you got to go. Hey, this kid's just a winner. Mm-hmm. He was on a St. Peter's team that went to the Elite Eight. He played a lot of minutes for that team. At some point, you just go, yeah, maybe he's not a traditional point guard, but he's figuring it out. I mean, I, I don't have the box in front of me, but it was like 11 assists to one turnover. That is correct. Um, um, 39 minutes. He's not the best defender in the world, but he tries. Um, and then, you know, they got – Morell steps up in big moments. He gives you something in big moments. TJ Caldwell has a night like that last night. Um, they, they just Caldwell early when that thing was five seven. He had a couple big shots that he would might have been the impetus for that thing being as close as it was in the first half. I mean Caldwell Murray over you know the way he took over the second half became kind of the MVP. But in a lot of ways, Caldwell was the MVP last night because he goes. I think I think he hit four shots before he missed one. He he anyways, his season high was twelve. He had eighteen last night. He he gave them an extra spark that kind of kept them from getting run out there at one point. Yeah, and, and to me, that's the part of the the beard thing that I don't know that we – because we don't see it. We're not at every game. We're not I – mean, we're at every game, but we're not at every practice. We're not at every team meeting. When a guy like Caldwell, who played a lot last year, when his minutes get reduced, there's – it's easy to – especially in this era of college sports. I mean, he still has his transfer that he could use. It's easy to go, you know what, this isn't the place for me. I'm going to transfer out. Mm-hmm. You see that a lot to the point where you can't even criticize it because it's it's commonplace. Instead, according to what you know, I've heard and Chris Beard talked about it yesterday, he's just kind of really dialed in, worked on his worked at practice, worked in his individual time, uh, worked in film, and had kind of put himself back in a spot where the coaches were really comfortable with him, really confident in him. And he delivers in, in that moment. Rashad Marshall was the same way. He had to play because they got some foul trouble early. He he plays minutes that he probably didn't wake up on Tuesday anticipating to play. And that's coaching. That's pro that's team building, which is what Beard is so good at. And um and look, you know, here's the last day of January. They wake up today. Eighteen and three, they're five and three. They would absolutely be in the tournament if you seeded the tournament today. Um, wouldn't even be a conversation. There wouldn't be a there wouldn't be a bubble. They would just be in. It would be where do you seed them? But they would absolutely be in the tournament. And they're getting better. And I think this was the key thing. And I sent you the quote last night because you were I knew where you were. I knew you were in the media room and, and Matt Morell was on TV with the SEC Network guys, and he talked about you know February, March, April. That's their goal, just to continue to get better. And, and Beard talked about it later, that they're not a finished product. They still have a lot of things that they, they've got to clean up. But their their trajectory is precisely where you would want it to be, where you would dream that it would be. And here's the great thing about if I'm – I think it's the part that if Chris and them are probably most excited about is when you – I didn't. By the when I first looked at the stat sheet, I'd seen two minutes of the game, and I look at the stat sheet and I'm going through it. Going, how the hell did this happen? Yeah. Like you got out rebounded by 13, 
State shot the ball better from the floor. State shot the ball better from the three-point line. Ole Miss hit more threes, but State shot the ball at a better percentage. And so I immediately went, well, maybe the free throw thing. And then I look at it, no, State made four more free throws than Ole Miss did. And you're like, what? in the? And then you get turnovers. Mm-hmm. Points off turnovers. I looked at points in the paint. State was, I think, one points in the paint by 12 or 14. It was pretty dominant. And the the good news, if you're Ole Miss, is that if you can incrementally on the fr- fringes improve performance in the paint, rebounding, work on a few of those things and just get fringes better, you're going to keep winning games. And as you keep winning games and you play with more confidence and you get contributions from guys like Caldwell and Marshall and you begin to maybe deepen your bench a little bit, your ceiling gets pretty high. I mean, their ceiling's still pretty high because I don't think they're anywhere close to their potential as a team right now, as evidenced by the the just the still the struggles with you know on the boards. Yeah, Ole Miss turned Mississippi State over on twenty three percent of State's possessions yesterday. They had fifteen. State had fifteen turnovers. Ole Miss scored eighteen points off those turnovers. State had four points off Ole Miss's turnovers. So they went eighteen four on that. And the well, rebounding when you thing, don't turn it over, but seven times, man. I mean, you know, yeah. if you only turn the ball over seven times in a the game, they're not going to get many points off turnovers. They had to deal with some foul trouble. Get, I don't mean unfair outside of Morrell. I mean style of play. Ole Miss kind of had a bad whistle last night. There was lots of sort of ticky-stack stuff in the paint. They yeah. didn't have a lot of depth. Cissé had two fouls in the first six minutes. He, he only played 11 minutes in the entire game. So that impacted so much of the boards, the the way that the front court handled things from a state and an Ole Miss standpoint. Because that's the thing, too. They won that game with – you know, Marshall having to play, Brakefield having to play much more back to the basket than normal. I mean, you know, they had to do some things to try to protect the front court there because of Cissé. And, you know, in a game like last night, it's where, and we've talked about this because he is valuable in some ways, Sharp just struggles to move in these games where you're, you're going laterally yeah. and having to move around the block and things. So that was a that was a tough assignment from a from a athletic standpoint for uh, for mm-hmm. him last night. But they, they made it work. They managed it and – you know, look, State, once Murray hit that three to tie it at 39 at the break, State never led again. Ole Miss led the entire second half and held on. It got cut to one point twice. And as you said, they kept their composure. They uh, just just kind of held it together. Um, setting they up scored here, when they had to score. I mean, because like you said, State, down the final stretch, I mean, they, they, they hit some big shots, man. It wasn't like you played a team that rolled over and, and died. They mm-hmm. didn't. I mean, look – Chris James is a really good coach. You, we, we can we can do the whole rivalry thing, whatnot. He's really good. And he has talent, and they played that way. They, I thought, I thought they maintained their composure late. I mean, that was Uh-oh. that looked like. And Jay Billis talked about this on Twitter, and Jeff Goodman and some others. That looked like a two teams that are both playing on Friday at the SEC tournament. That looked like two teams that are both in the NCAA tournament. That felt like a big-time atmosphere. And, I mean, both both teams handled it. And now, I mean, I, mean, I know we're still going to talk about this, but, I mean, Saturday night becomes this prime opportunity. And they're, 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 the, the way the schedule's shaping up, they're, they're just in great shape right now in terms of in terms of getting to the getting to the tournament, 
So in the net, as of this morning, Ole Miss is up to 53. They went from 57 to 53. After uh, the win last night, they are tucked between Xavier and Butler right now, two Big East, big East teams. We're um, state in the net. A&M's 45, by the way, just curious. Yeah. Uh, Florida 41, South Carolina 39, Mississippi State 37. They stayed exactly where they were going into the day. State yeah. now 14-7, and 3-5 and five in the SEC. Um, State's 0-5 on the road. 6-0 and o on neutral sides. Interesting yeah. stat there. Yeah. Um, and then Auburn, as we talk about what is coming up, uh, they are number eight. They moved from nine to eight last night, not playing, but just strength of opponent stuff. So Alabama seven, Auburn eight right now, Tennessee five, even after the, uh, the loss to Carolina last night at home for the balls. And then Ken Palm moved Ole Miss up to 59 last night. So they've jumped 11 spots in Ken Palm in the last like four days, as we mentioned Offensive efficiency up to 33 nationally, defensive 125. And this is this is a really critical part of the schedule because I, I think you and I are on the same page. Nine might get it done, but you need to get to 10 and to feel completely fine about it going to Nashville there for the, uh, for the tournament. And this is, you know, if you want to segment this thing, I thought that at A&M, Arkansas, and State were at least two and one. You couldn't go one and two for damn sure. You had to win your home games. They go 3-0. and They've won three in a row. They've set themselves up for this next little stretch that is, I think, it defines the ceiling for this team from an SEC standing standpoint because they're going to be either in Vegas or metrically, I don't know, underdogs in the next three games. They face Auburn at home on Saturday. Again, Auburn number six in Ken Palm. Now they've lost road games. They lost – to state they lost to alabama on the road the road is a bitch in the sec so you can win the game on saturday but auburn is very good they obviously torched ole miss at neville arena a few days a few games ago they've got auburn and then back-to-back road games against south carolina and kentucky which are going to be two hellacious chores on the road there in uh, in columbia and in lexington but no matter kind of what happens in these three the rest of the schedule yeah. Pretty manageable for Ole Miss, and that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games to close after that point. And there's not a game in this where you go, nope, that's a loss for necessarily sure. The rest of the way after that, Missouri at home, Mississippi State away is going to be a tough game. Now, look, I mean that that's that that <laughs> you know, get, go ahead and get ready for what's coming that night. Um, that's going to be a bit of a bitch, but anyway, uh, South Carolina at home. Alabama at home. Hard games, don't get me wrong, but it's in the building where you haven't lost yet this year. At Missouri, at Georgia, and Texas A&M at home. There there are five wins left on this schedule. I mean, it, it's right yeah. there in front of you to, to, to get those games. I mean, even with Ken Palm and the percentage stuff, and again, Ken Palm doesn't like Ole Miss as much as many strength of record type of computers do, he still has them at basically four and a half wins the rest of the way, which is nine and a half. Yeah, and well, and and with like South Carolina, their their net now is where is it in the low twenties, early thirties? It's in the thirties, I think. Yeah, you know, I mean, the, the game in Columbia, if you lose it, doesn't hurt you. The no. game in Lexington, if you lose it, doesn't hurt you. Um, you they've they've set themselves up to, and because the 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 league is pretty strong, like you know, there's. 
there's three bad teams from a net standpoint in the league. And you, know, you play one of them twice, and you that, that you got to win. You got to win those two games. They have to go to Columbia and win a basketball game. Yeah, um, but they position themselves where because I got a I haven't published it yet. I have a mailbag question. It's I mean I still think ten. But the league's getting to a place numerically where nine might do it. Nine and nine might get them in because nine more wins would put them at 22 regular season wins, nine SEC wins. You probably wouldn't feel awesome about it, but that might be enough. But 10 SEC wins, and they're absolutely in. And like you said, I, I think they can get there. They had to win. They probably had to win the last three games to get to that spot and they did it i mean they 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 handled their business they they blew out arkansas they they went to texas a&m and 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 got it done and then held serve it we talked about this week you you couldn't double fault if you will you had to hold serve at least once and now they have and so the 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 auburn game is not a free shot because it's a home game but a loss to auburn's not going to kill you and a win over auburn is a, a a arc changer and so and i anticipate that they will play really well i anticipate saturday will be a remarkably intense environment um and auburn is like every other team auburn's not as good away from neville arena as they are in neville arena and that's no rip on the tigers i'm a big i'm a big bruce pearl guy but he's he's built an environment at home where they just don't lose but when they get away from home, they're not they're not the same team. So you'll get a shot at them, and they blew you out the last time. So there's plenty of film to look at and to get to to know what you have to do better and all of those things. And 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 I, I think Ole Miss is a better team than it was that night that it was at Auburn. You know they had just lost to LSU and not played particularly well, and they didn't they didn't play a great first half against Auburn. They turned the ball over a bunch and. I thought the environment got to them a little bit, and Flanagan was emotional going back and playing against his old team, and some of that stuff's now washed away. They'll have a better shot. They survived a really off night from him last night, and early in the season that would have been impossible. It was almost kind of like he either gave them 15 or they were in deep crap, and, I mean, he was kind of non-existent, and they, they picked up the slack. I mean, as you said, I mean, oh. Juju's become a killer. I mean, he, he doesn't fear any shot right now. And, and well, and I, 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 Brakefield was not shooting the ball well, and he made a couple of big buckets. I mean, mm-hmm. they continue to play offensively with a, with a real confidence. That that's the part. And going back to the first part of the podcast, that's the part that is is weird to watch. Frankly, as someone who's covered this team the last few years, is offensively the last few years that was a team that had no confidence at all. I mean, none. And then now they they just kind of play offensively pretty fearless. And when they don't turn it over, they're awfully efficient on offense. I mean, they, they are legitimately, legitimately uh, a well above average, borderline excellent offensively when they're protecting the basketball. And defensively, they, they're kind of opportunistic. They're not a very good defensive team, really. No. But they, they do cause turnovers, and they turn those turnovers into points. And that lets them... Let's them go on runs that keep them in games and sometimes take control of games. This podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. A common misconception about relationships is they have to be easy to be right. Sometimes the best ones happen when both people put in the work to make them great. 
Therapy can be a great place to work through the challenges and face in all of your relationships, whether it's with friends, work with significant others, or really anyone. When you put that work in, great things can happen in those relationships. BetterHelp is a an awesome way to do that because you know maybe you talk to people who have preconceived notions, family members, they're emotional about topics. This is somebody just for you. They can help you if you don't like who it is. You can switch providers. You can find somebody else. You can do all these different things with BetterHelp to get the help you need. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. Design can be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And again, switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit BetterHelp.com MPW today. To get 10% off your first month, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash M-P-W. Podcast brought to you in part by G&M Pharmacy and Tyson Drugs there in Holly Springs. G&M in Oxford, Tyson Drugs in Holly Springs. They've got their uh, high-dose flu shots for patients over 65 years old or uh, anyone that needs that level of protection. Flu obviously going around big time right now. So you can uh, you can get that. You can also get the RSV vaccine they have in uh, stock as well at both locations, Holly Springs and Oxford, and they make it easy. They let you schedule your appointments for your vaccines. Come in, get them, be on your way. That's six six two to schedule six six two two three six two 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 for G and M in Oxford or six six two two five two two three two one for Tyson Drugs in Holly Springs. Podcast also brought to you by the Ole Miss Athletics Foundation. You've got uh, 2024 football season tickets available now. That's for new and renew tickets. Take advantage of that. Go ahead and get on with it. The excitement is only going to increase prior to the 2024 season. Also, men's and women's basketball, they start conference play this week. You've got SEC mini plans and single-game tickets still available. That is for uh, men's basketball, women's basketball. And then uh, we tell you about multiple campaigns going on right now, the Champions Now campaign. That's the big capital campaign from the Ole Miss Athletics Foundation. You've got Forever Ole Miss if you're looking at state state planning, Vault Society, Empower, a lot of different ways to uh, do philanthropic giving there with the foundation. Also, a reminder, the men's and women's tennis teams have upcoming matches at home later this month. Tickets not required for that. And then, obviously, Morgan Wallen tickets still available. All those things, OleMissTicks.com. I've been telling you that Prime Shrimp has given away free, free shrimp for the entire year to one lucky rebel. Here's how to enter. You go to primeshrimp.com slash mpw. Place any order, any order at all. Use promo code JUICE. Take 20% off your order and be entered to win. You can place additional entries by posting your shrimp on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter with hashtag primeshrimp. Hashtag mpw. Winners will be chosen on January 31st. So get that orders in. And then also the podcast brought to you by NE Spark. NE Spark is a service people across rural communities. Two packages, the Ignite, the 100 Mbps, or the Blaze. The one gig, it powers the Clark Ford Studio. I've got it at home as well. Your hometown team bringing you world-class broadband. That's anyspark.com, 662-238-3159. Phone service, parental controls, network security, and much more. So, again, get the best internet in Lafayette County. That's 662-238-3159. Because of what he's used to, the defense probably drives Beard crazy <laughs> at times. I have a feeling that's it's like, oh. God, okay. Like, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm sure that in his world, in his ideal world, his team rebounds the ball better and is a better perimeter defensive team. But, you know, he cobbled this thing together pretty quick. And it, I mean, what you saw last night, if Chris Beard is at Ole Miss for any length of time, this will be his worst team. And so you saw, like, just how good they could be when he gets – 
a few more of the kind of player that he would like to get. Now, I do think this about this team. I think Chris really likes and respects the uh, the work ethic, the character, the mm-hmm. the 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 level of give a damn that this team has. I, I do the buy-in really, that they've given him back that he asked for it and they and they did. Yeah, it. that's the right word. The buy-in. He he he's asked for. The, you can't make them be. You, well, you can help guys become better players, but you can't make an average player an excellent player. It doesn't work like that. Um, you know, there has to be some God-given talent that, that kicks in. And he's got some guys that have some talent, but they don't have a superstar on this team. There's no lottery pick on this team. There's nobody. NBA scouts aren't drooling over these guys. Um, but, man, he's got he's got them to play together. He's gotten them to believe. And they, they do what he – they try to do what he asked them to do. And you can tell that – that he he likes that that he likes that part of these kids. I think he genuinely likes coaching this team, even though they're probably sometimes it's probably a little maddening to lose the rebounding battle consistently by double digits. is is not really what the way any coach draws yeah, up. Hey, yeah. here's the path to victory. Let's go get crushed <laughs> on the glass night in and night out. That, that that's not that's yeah. that's you, hey. As long as you shoot fifty one percent from the field, you got the game whipped. Cool. All right. Sweet. Yeah. Sounds yeah, good. I mean, just, just go you know, shoot your but, way out of trouble. But when they don't turn it over, they're really good. And and you can look at at their at their games when they lost. The Tennessee, Auburn, LSU. Those were games where they they turned the ball over a good bit, and the games got out of hand pretty quickly. But when games are close, when they can keep a game close, and this has to be what they're trying to shoot for for Saturday, keep the game tenable where it's within reach, they've proven to be awfully good in those games. And that's that's coaching, that's character, that's uh, heart rate, all of those things. They, they've been pretty good about that now all season. So the, the games that early in the year you're like, man, I don't know, you begin to go, I don't know, maybe this is kind of part of their DNA. They started two for 11 from three last night and found a way to get back to 40% from the game. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. They were two for 11 from three to start. Yeah, and, and a lot of times, you know, you get guys become reluctant to shoot it. You see that in the NBA. A guy's missing shots, and and all of a sudden he's got he's, he's not taking open looks. And you're like, dude, you're only on the floor to take that shot, but but it's mental. Nope. Is uh, you know shooter shoot? Yeah, sure, I get that. <laughs> yeah, it's that whole deal. Of, well, yeah, you, you know, hey, all it takes is one yes. 
Yeah, I get it. But when you've had seven no's, the no's begin to resonate in your brain. You're two, you're two for 10 from three or two for 11. You're down seven, and TJ Caldwell is putting a three up, and that's where you are in the game. And then it goes in, and then they get, they yeah. get, they, they get moving. But um, the fact that he took that shot is indicative of where they are as a mindset, as a team. I mean, it's, there's a whole lot of – you just keep – you know. Beard talks about it, and he's not the only one. Lots of coaches do this. I've heard other coaches say this. It's 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 not one forty minute game. It's usually ten four minute games. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, Dell uh, Beard just sits there and lets them play. He conserves timeouts. He does not call panic timeouts at all. Never. Um, um I, I think sometimes the crowd gets jittery because they're expecting like, hey, where's that timeout? Because we're so used to it and. They just get the ball and go play offense and and and, and move through and, and and run things at that uh at that point. So I, I'm gonna look at the league. Um, last thing on that, you want my uh, I've, you know we can't we can't get through a day apparently. You want my my, my crosshairs negative hot take after we've done all the positive. Uh, yeah, sure. I, I tell you, I, I think here's some game improvement that I think would help. Okay. Is Ole Miss built this environment? It, it's loud. It's because I, I tell you, I, I took a little a different, a different appreciation last night because it's on the opposite side. And it's higher of where I normally sit, and it's louder up there than what I typically hear. It's really loud. It's just a different sort of I don't know environment. It's not really the right word because you're in the same environment, but whatever. Different feel to it, and they use a lot of rap music. They use a lot of high intensity. Everything's volume. I saw the light doesn't fit. It drains energy in that media timeout right there. And as somebody texted me this morning, nothing was really hymnal about last night. They throw another rap song in there and let's bypass that and go to something else. I get football; it changes things. You have longer timeouts and it's not so compact. But I saw the light doesn't fit. Let's go ahead and move on from that. Let's let's scrap it and go and go from there. That's that was bad. And I don't know whether they did it last night, but. Sweet Caroline does not belong in a basketball game. (laughs) And I have a daughter named Caroline, but yeah, that's got to go away. Uh, Also, I I think credit to the refs here because you cannot let that impact being that minor. But Ole Miss was an eyelash from a technical foul that would have handed State that game last night in the final minute when something the student threw the thing on the floor. I mean, I I think they didn't call it because it was a bullshit call. Yeah, the foul. They knew that they'd missed the call. Yeah, that's what I think. I, that referee, I, I think what happened was because it was a late whistle. Mm-hmm. I think he anticipated the contact because it looks in in real time it looks like Morell's going to foul him, and then Morell kind of turns his body almost like turns his back. Really, there's no contact, but the contact's initiated by the offensive guy. But I swear to you, I think he'd already put the air in the whistle. Yeah, I, I, I think it was one of those deals where it was an oh, damn moment where the official probably thought, oh, my God. Yeah. Because Morrell stopped and even moved backwards almost. He was trying yeah, to yeah. avoid. Yeah, it wasn't a foul. I mean, it could have been a real game changer, and then stuff comes on the court, and you're like, oh, man. <laughs> yeah. But to their credit, they didn't call it. Because that would yeah, have been yeah, – yeah. then, you, then you're defining the game. And then you know, like, I, I, and I no one was missing. in danger. It was like a T-shirt or something. It's like, okay, yeah. fine. Like, yeah. ball don't lie. He missed. I mean, he, he missed them both. And then on that second one, he's trying to rim it, and that's so hard yeah. to do. Yeah, it, it is much harder than you think to hit the rim and try to get the ball to bounce back to you. That is not. 
Yeah. I mean, that's like saying, hey, throw the football down and make it kick right back. Okay, well, great. Yeah. That, yeah. It was that, like an onside kick. You know, I mean, yeah. hey, get it to bounce exactly to here. Well, okay, but it's harder to do than you think. Yeah. Uh, as you mentioned elsewhere last night inside the SEC, South Carolina wins 63-59 over the Volunteers. And, I mean, just kept punching. I, I was watching it from the media room for the most part. That was that was a hell of a basketball game last night. Gamecocks showed a, a, a ton of toughness. And then, you know, instrumental in that. It was a bad whistle for Tennessee. Was it really? They, yeah, they called a really ticky-tack game. Uh, a dude got in foul trouble. Um the whole team was – Tennessee got out of its rotation. Tennessee got – really, Tennessee likes a physical game, and they didn't let them play that way. And I, I thought they impacted it. Now, that being said, tons of credit to South Carolina. They're, they're legitimately good, and they play with – they play with the real chip on their shoulder. But that the, – the, the whistle impacted that game. Last night in the ACC, North Carolina was nine and zero in the league, and they lose to uh, at the time nine and eleven, two and seven Georgia Tech in Atlanta last night. Again, uh-huh. a game, but yeah. By the way, Oklahoma State is one and seven in the Big Twelve. When the hell did that happen? That, I don't know. Usually, they're awfully good. They're nine and twelve, one and seven. Big Twelve's beast. Villanova's four and six in the Big East, eleven and ten overall. Yeah, they got beat again last night, right? By Marquette. Yeah, Marquette. Shaka's got it going a little bit there for 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 Marquette. Yeah. Texas Tech five and two in the Big Twelve, even after a loss last night. They were sixteen and three, five and one going to Fort Worth last night. But TCU won. They're now sixteen and five, five and three in the Big Twelve. As uh, as well. I was looking for any kind of ranked loss, but for the most part, the ranked teams did all right last night. Um, heading into tonight, it's Wednesday, games inside the SEC. Northwestern playing Purdue tonight could be interesting. Yeah, Northwestern's played pretty well. Where's, where's it's in, the game? It's, at? it's in West Lafayette, though. Oh, yeah, probably not. 13 and a half is a line on that game, if that tells you anything. Alabama 6-1 in the SEC. They are in Athens, Georgia tonight. Alabama favored by 5.5 on the road. Mike White's got his team 14-6, 4-3 in the SEC. As I mentioned the other day, they've scored over 90 in their last two losses and lost both games. Um, Florida's at Kentucky tonight. The Gators at Rupp. Kentucky by 5.5 in that one. Kentucky 5-2, Florida 4-3. Arkansas and Missouri, the dog of dog games tonight in Columbia, Missouri. Arkansas 10-10, 1-6. Missouri 8-12, 0-7 in the SEC. Missouri favored by 5.5 in that game. And then Vanderbilt is at Neville Arena tonight. The Commodores are 0-6 in the SEC, 5-14 overall. Auburn 5-2 in the SEC, coming off losses to Alabama and Mississippi State. Auburn an 18-and-a-half-point favorite at home tonight on the Plains against the Commodores and Jerry Stackhouse. If you're an Arkansas beat writer, how do you – do you even try to somehow navigate the rumors and ask questions? I mean, that's – it's. I, I actually put myself in that – mentally in that spot yesterday. Like, how would you handle – that if the rumors are flying like that around a program that you cover that provides a pretty good level of access, how do you or do you at all even try to ask those questions where you do your job but you're sensitive to the 
was about to say, in some ways, it's a it's an ethical question as much as it yeah. is a how do you actually get it from a mechanical standpoint. Yeah, mm. I, I, I couldn't. I honestly, don't know. Twenty four hours later, I don't know that I have the answer. I, I, there's a lot there. I'm going to go with no one is going to tackle that today off a team that already had issues anyway. It does. It's not defining their issue. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, depends on how much veracity there is to certain things. Like I, yeah, there's there's just a lot. There's yeah. a lot there. Yeah, uh, just knowing human nature, I'm going to guess no that no one takes that on to tonight. Yeah, and I won't blame anybody if they don't. And, and frankly, it's the kind of thing that if you're going to take it on, you want to try to do it in some sort of a private setting where you're like, oh. hey, one one on one. Yeah. Yeah. It it happens in Yeah. <laughs> it's not a new thing. It's not a new thing to teams. It's just Yeah. It's it's rare in this part of it. Yeah, no, I agree. So again, Ole Miss Auburn, we'll have to talk plenty about that. We've got Jeffrey tomorrow. Uh football. But really, college athletics. It's just where we are. It's the the anarchy. <laughs> Real anarchy, not the way John Rothstein says it on college basketball Twitter. Um, and nobody knows what the hell is going on. Tennessee under incidentally investigation, NIL violations associated with uh, flights and other stuff. It's quarterback. Uh, Donde Plowman, the UT Chancellor, certainly did not mix words in uh, in this as well. Who knew she was the hero we all needed? Yeah, that's what we needed. Was the Tennessee Chancellor was the one to uh, to, to throw this out there? They have not received a uh, notice of allegations yet. However, uh, all indications are the word major has been used. Multiple sports. It's uh, all related to NIL. And then uh, Plowman sent a letter to NCAA President Charlie Baker, who's having quite the run so far uh, in his <laughs> replacing of Mark Emmert as NCAA President. Uh, she called it two and a half years of vague and contradictory NCAA memos, emails, and guidance, and she put guidance in quotation marks, about name, image, and likeness, said the organization's failing, said that the allegations are factually untrue and procedurally flawed, I think was... Uh, was part of that as well. Um, student athletes, prospective student athletes, parents, coaches, member institutions, collectives, anyone working in college athletics today need to have clear rules to follow. As you acknowledged in the recent congressional hearing, the guidance from the NCAA to student athletes has been inconsistent and unclear, and the ambiguity has filled schools, student athletes, and collectives with uncertainty about how to follow the rules. Um, goes on and on and on. Caused the NCAA intellectually dishonest for their uh, failures in uh, in this way. Um, yeah. Said everything that is true at this point. Um, I'll tell you the one thing. I mean, let's, let's, let's just before you do that, the, 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 backtrack a second here. So give her credit. The NCAA leaks the story to Pat Forty. That's exactly what happened. Mm -hmm. Pat Forty publishes this bombshell, major... And immediately you get the hot take people, oh, that's the end of Tennessee. And within the day, this is leadership now, within the day, credit where credit's due, she pins a letter to Charlie Baker, makes it public, and just calls them out. 
defends her institution and says what everyone else is saying. You can't have a set of rules that just sort of meander and change and you tell the NCAA to enforce something, but then they don't. And we look, this is the thing. And you know, you and I've talked about this for years now. So our audience knows what's coming. It's not NIL. It's pay for play. And so when you get these holier than thou people, we just cannot have pay for play. It's like, what the hell do you think you have right now? This isn't NIL. It's pay for play. There's inducements. When you're giving kids money and homes and you're arranging for airfare for family and stuff, you're, and this is every, everyone's doing it. It's, it's no longer, it's the wild, wild west, and you can't come in and selectively enforce it. You can't come in and go, well, you did this back then, and back then it wasn't against the rules, but it is now, and so we're going to get you for the, no, it doesn't work like that. Um, the only thing I'll say, and I'm, I'm trying to find it, um, give me a second to locate it. I'm, I'm, I'm not, trust me, I'm not defending the NCAA under any circumstance here. Um, by the way, they they have filed suit in federal court now. Tennessee has against the NCAA. Um, yeah. Well, and someone so said this in the happened. stream. Someone said this in the stream, and I think they're right. I think the SEC is probably either along for the ride with Tennessee or good with it. Uh, some of the excerpts include how the NCAA NIL guidelines contradict Tennessee state law, which is going to be a huge talking point and is one of the reasons why Mississippi's legislature changed a lot of stuff they changed going because the, the attorneys and the collectives and the schools believe state law supersedes NCAA rules. So that is one huge part of this as we kind of uh, kind of move forward. Also, the uh, other cliff notes to this, how NCAA NIL guidelines restrict competition from collectives and schools and how they prevent athletes from negotiating for the best NIL offers um, at that point. But what I wanted to find here, and here it is, I, I do have one little bit of gripe. And it's with, and I think I think you'll agree, because you and I were discussing before the show a little bit of this, is some of the problem here, and where Baker's in a weird spot, is that administrators or presidents fight against pay for play and say we need rules and we need this and in a lot of ways it's where it's the one area where I do give the NCAA thing going the administrators the presidents and the schools make up the damn rules so you make up rules because they look good and it protects amateurism and all this stuff from a university standpoint and then you get pissed off when pragmatically those are issued in a tangible way towards your athletic programs because they weaponized the NCAA recently. I'm looking for the exact deal right here. Um, let's see. I mean, Dellinger writing. For more than two years, coaches and administrators have staunchly encouraged the NCAA to punish schools for NIL violations, and yet when those punishments are delivered, the targeted schools vehemently decry them unfair and awful file legal challenges. But what even happened, and I, I was looking for the exact thing because it's a really bad pod that I don't have it in front of me, but I thought I did, is... The universities and the people who make up the NCAA, which is all the schools, they made it where the NCAA can use circumstantial indirect evidence in the cases against the schools. So no longer is it, hey, here's the hard and fast and all these things right now. 
Instead, it's, oh, well, just kind of get so-and-so to say this, and hey, use that. Well, holy hell, that opened up the whole avenue for them to at least bring these things forward in some way and for make that be a thing as, as it moves forward. So it's, it's, it's the lack of understanding what the hell's going on and how it affects you. Because on one hand, you got all these people going, hey, we need this press release that goes, we have to be fair. And this other side that goes, can we all just shut up and let the inducements happen? And we all know what's going on. And can we turn the blind eye like we have for decades and ignore this? And the answer is no. And what happens is you get what happened yesterday where the NCAA can kind of just start picking out schools. Florida State, Tennessee. Because they all do basically the same damn thing. I mean, I get that it's a little different. But it's going 78 instead of 67. And it's doing all these little bit of things. If I'm a collective or a school, I either completely trust state law and think, okay, the NCAA is full of it and I'm going to follow Plowman and basically I'm going to tell them to go F off. Or... I'm terrified because they're just throwing darts right now on what schools they want to decide to go after. Yeah, I mean, like you said, everyone's doing it. Everyone's, every, everyone who has the means to do it is doing it. It's not NIL. And so you get these people on these campuses that are like, well, we cannot let this become pay for play. And that's what it is. And so, yeah, when the, the NCAA comes in and the NCAA is, like you said, they're weaponized. They're told, you better take care of this. And they go in and then they find examples. And I think they could do it literally at every Power 5 school if they went to it. Find examples of where people got paid that didn't do any NIL services. That's why I think down the road what's coming is that the universities are going to own the NIL rights. They're going to pay the players for their NIL rights. And so them appearing on like the season and stuff like that is going to be NIL related where they can get away with it. But you come back to the whole, and Ross talked about this in his story, you come back to the whole employee thing. How do you do that? How do you manage that? And the answer is right now you don't. And so like, I'm with you. I, I, I think everyone just needs to, take a deep breath and relax and understand that, that right now we're just kind of playing in a lawless, self-regulated world. There's, You're not going to win in court. The NCAA doesn't win in court. And all of these schools have basically learned now to fight back. Look at Tennessee yesterday. They fight back immediately and then take the NCAA to court. And they'll win. So there, no, nothing's going to happen to Tennessee. Nothing's going to happen to Florida. Nothing's going to happen to Florida State. From an old school, what happened to Ole Miss years ago, that, those days are over, I believe. I think, and I, I think, think one of the problem. reasons why Tennessee showed good leadership and did what they did is that they were if you if they got screwed, they're under this second time penalty thing because Pruitt had just been hit. Where yeah. you had to come out hard and fast because if it got down a hill at all that was bad for you, you are, you are subject to a lot of those rules. So you had to go from the stop. Hey, nope, mm-mm, we are good luck. We're gonna we're we're gonna run this thing out and we're gonna tie you up and we're we're taking you on right now. And this wasn't news to Tennessee yesterday. This wasn't news to Greg Sankey and the SEC yesterday. They they had a response prepared. 
The answer is to break away because we're just we're all doing this dumb thing. I mean, it's what's said in the stream here, and it's completely right. We're in an environment where we are following or not following NCAA rule based off what we want to do and whether we want to decide to change the state laws to tell them that they have no jurisdiction anymore. But then on some things go, no, you're right, let's follow that. Well, I mean, that's dumb. It makes no sense. Yeah, agreed. I mean, we know what's eventually they're going to break away. They're going to form a super conference thingy and make all their money and I've said this, and I'll say it again in March when the NCAA tournament rolls around. What is stopping the power leagues from breaking away and having their own tournament? Stop sharing the money with Canisius and St. Peter's. Tournament would still be big. The power five schools, the 60 or whatever the number is. Yeah, tournament would still be big. Maybe you even invite Gonzaga to play. You can do whatever sure. you want. Whatever. Hey, Marquette, you get to play. Here. Yeah, sure. I mean, they're, they're Every power. power five in the top five mid-majors with R, from RPI. Or whatever. Good. Just whatever. But, I mean, you know, the whole, why are you splitting the money with the MEAC and the, and the MAC and the SWAC? Why? The Sun Belt. Why? why? Those teams aren't winning the tournament. You tell me that tournament watching would go down, that the TV ratings would go down, that the TV money would go No, it wouldn't. So, I mean, the, the breakaway is coming because it's inevitable because it makes sense. If Albany, then, instead of Albany beating Duke, it's Iowa State. No, nah, fine. Whatever. Okay, cool. People are yeah. still, people, you still get your bracket. And you still bet on it. Yeah, you still bet on it and you still get your one shining moment, and you get your late late shots in the final four minutes. Hey, we're going to go to Las Vegas because USC and Penn State are down to the final three minutes. It's going to cut high. Just whatever. I mean, I just think that's where we're headed. Um, do we ever see ratings on Chiefs Ravens? I haven't looked. I'm looking now. I'm gonna guess oh, they they they, they, uh, they lost to 49ers lines. Really? It's because it's yeah. earlier in the day. Yeah, that matters a lot. Fifty five point four seven. Still a pretty damn good number. <laughs> it's uh, the most watched AFC Championship game ever. Yeah. 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 There, there's, there's that. <laughs> Roger Goodell's job is very safe right now. Previous record was forty fifty four point eight, which was Jet Steelers in the late window in two thousand eleven. Oh. The game peaked with more than 64 million viewers. 17% over last year's uh, comparable early window, which was Niners-Eagles. So It's also the uh, most-watched non-Super Bowl program on CBS since the 1994 Winter Olympics. Those damn 94 Winter Olympics must have been bangers because I keep running into them and every single ratings thing. It's all, hey... Since, since they were in Norway or wherever the hell the 94 Olympics were. Yeah, I just don't remember anything about the 1994 Olympics. Uh, yeah, divisional round, CBS got 50.4 for Chiefs and Buffalo. I mean, CBS living right right now. They're more than happy with their NFL contract and, and what's going on with them and, and the oh. National Football League. Are there Olympics this summer? 
That is correct. Paris. Okay. Right? For sure. I think that's okay. correct. Okay. Uh, the, mo- the most watched Super Bowl came last year also when 115.1 million viewers watched the Chiefs defeat the Eagles on Fox. So that's what CBS, who has the Super Bowl, will be gunning for in a few days. I love their chances. I do too. I think they've got a damn good shot of, of knocking <laughs> that bad boy off. It's gonna, yeah, it's gonna be all right. Um, the uh, by the way, just yeah, I was right. the uh, The '94 Olympics were in Lillehammer. Um, that is correct in Norway. Yeah, sixty-seven nations participated. Who were the big? What was the big story? Uh, that's a good question. Let's see. I mean, I'm not going to spend more than 30 seconds on this, but let's see. Is there today on the podcast? Lillehammer. Lillehammer just knocked off Ostersund, Sweden, Anchorage, Alaska, and Sofia, Bulgaria for the uh, for the bid. Oh, I see that. You know, not a ton of event, events. The only events, uh, I guess, there were 61 events, but they were contested in six sports. Alpine skiing, biathlon, bobsleigh, cross-country skiing, figure skating, freestyle skiing, speed skating, short track speed skating, ski jumping, Nordic combined luge, and ice hockey were the uh, were the events in this bad boy. Have you ever watched the show on, it's like National Geographic, it's about, uh, it's a documentary basically about the, uh, um, I guess it's the Fairbanks, Alaska airport. No. One of the busiest airports in the world. It hasn't closed in 70 years. They have all this stuff about how they handle ice and snow and the weather. And it's really, it's really oh. wild. Interesting. Sometimes I'll watch it and I'll, I'll end up staying on it for two hours. Um, there was quite the story surrounding the 94 Olympics. As, uh, as I'm reading the sentence here, uh, on January 6th of that year, Tanya Harding's ex-husband and his friend Sean Eckert conspired with uh, Shane Stant to club fellow female figure skater Nancy Kerrigan in the knee. So that's Both what Harding got and Kerrigan, yeah, were yeah. selected for the Olympic team. After Harding admitted to helping her cover up the attack, the Olympic Committee initiated proceedings to remove her from the team, but Harding retained her place after threatening legal action. Um, Ukraine's uh, Oksana Balu. One ahead of Kerrigan Baul. and Chin Lu. Okay, sure, whatever. Uh, with Harding finishing eighth. So, yes, we did have a bit of a pop culture situation there around that. Uh, yeah, because Nancy Kerrigan sort of became America's sweetheart a little bit. Yeah. I haven't studied that in, in depth, but yes. <laughs> sure, I'm, 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 I'm out. That's what I got. So, it's it's all... It's well, that explains the number. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm trying to think if that shows in Anchorage or Fairbanks. It's it's one of it's one of the big Alaska airports. And now I've, I've watched it so many times. You think I'd remember, and I can't. You've been you've been on the couch too long. Yeah, the knee watched, situation. You're you're getting a little. I watched the Barry Sanders documentary yesterday on Amazon. Yeah. Have you watched that, that? The yeah, I haven't watched it, but I've seen and people like it. Yeah. It was really, it was really well done. He, I, I've forgotten that he just spaxed in his retirement and went to London. So he oh. takes his, he takes his boys back to London to talk about what happened and stuff. But it was really good. Barry Sanders, just a good guy. Yeah. Bottom line, good guy, good, 
had a had an interesting relationship with his dad and then is is apparently a very good father. Uh, Hardman says it's Anchorage is the airport Anchorage. you're looking for there. Anchorage. Yeah. You, so it's really that's a it's a it's an interesting show. You uh you missed Beard making a Ted Lasso reference last night uh, in the in the press conference. Somebody asked him about the match and meaning game, and he goes, "Well, I hadn't heard that since Ted Lasso, but sure, basketball match." And then <laughs> about four minutes, five minutes later, he brought it back up and said, "Match again." It was pretty good. Quote. Oh, what he kind of made everybody laugh and, at that point. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was it was it was it was pretty good. So he he um, <laughs> it was it was a big media room last night. Um, because I mean, yeah. state brought several media. There was it was it was, it was pretty full. Um, last night, any fisticuffs on the press row? Everybody, you know hey. the 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 culprits that you would be worried about. I did not see. Um, I I like Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk. I, I spoke to both them. We, we Brian came over and we had a discussion about Ben Garrett for a minute and how he was doing. And yeah, no, it was it appeared, appeared to be pretty tame last night. I think it was. I think it was all right. So. No one, no one fault. Um, <laughs> state media or coaches or, or otherwise. Um, Jans was fine. He was whatever. I mean, he was. He's getting a little frustrated with his league record because it's getting away from him a little bit. He needs to kind of kind of got get kind of got to get going. Um, I felt like the SID for state was rushing their players through the press conference. It seemed like they did not want to be in that thing at all. And that, that, that it went a little too fast. I felt like that had been a little more substance and context there, but whatever. I mean, yeah, it was, uh, it was, fun. you know, more and more on, when you're covering a road game, you realize if you're covering a road team, man, you got to hustle because they, their mindset is get out of here as fast as possible. I know nothing about State's post-game protocol, so this may be completely normal, but it felt weird to me, and I've covered a lot of post-games in every sport, is State's players were in almost immediately. They brought two players, but like I said, the, the SID was pushing. If it was half a second between questions, he was getting them out of there, and even questions were still coming, and he goes, hey, one more. I mean, they were in there a minute and a half, and it was like, come on, oh, people uh, traveled. Like, let's go. Like, get, let it yeah. talk. Yeah. And maybe it was more than a minute and a half. I don't want to be hyperbolic to them in the situation. But either way, it felt quick. Then Beard came in with the players. They did the normal Ole Miss thing. They, they always do. Players first, then Beard and whatever. And then Jans came in 10 minutes later after that. 10, 15. I mean, it was, it was almost like somebody walked by and goes, hey, Jans is still coming. And I was already kind of getting up and moving because I thought, thought that was it and he wasn't showing up or something. And then... He hung out as long as they had questions. Like I said, he was calm and good and, and handled the media well. But it just felt late. It was kind of kind of odd from a from a timing standpoint on what that looked like. So, does he still do like the radio coaches show on the court? That's my guess. My guess is he had to go do whatever that is, and then and yeah. then and then go from there. Um, because I, you know, as people have noticed on the radio, a lot beard is just his press conference is being aired on the radio now for the most part. So. It's it's changed a little there with uh with that. Yeah, there was no look, a press room is one of the most boring places on earth. That was all I got. That's that's that is the that is the kind extent of, of that situation. I'm almost kinda of disappointed. But okay. Yeah. No conflict. Nope, no nope. conflict. As no I fights. as I wrote on the board, Coach Yo stopped by for like half a second, but no no words were exchanged in any capacity there. All good. So um 
I, I got some looks for some people. She walked by and like, and she was joking. I mean, whatever. She's like peeked her head in and goes, "Hey, any questions?" And like the entire room looked at me. I was like, "Shut up! Like, let's move on with our, <laughs> with, our with, with our day. Like, let's let's learn. It's, it's it's all right." Um. So yeah. Uh, it, it it was actually pretty funny. I, Brian Haydad walked down, and Brian's a good guy. He's laughing. He's always whatever. But I mean, he's you know clearly a state fan. And he walked down. He put his hand on my shoulder, and he goes, "I was with you a hundred percent, completely on your team in this thing." And I laughed. I was like, "Yeah." He goes, "I believed every word that you said." And I was like, "Yeah, I, I get it." Yeah. So. All good. Uh. Anyway. All right. We'll have Jeffrey tomorrow. We will. Uh. Talk some football. We'll talk whatever. I mean, I think today's going to be probably a little more movement in this Tennessee thing as well. And then we'll look ahead of the weekend, look at Auburn a little closer as the the Tigers will face Vanderbilt. They will beat Vanderbilt tonight at Neville Arena. I feel very good about the the result of that game there. Yeah, I like their chance. So, uh, you guys were fun. Appreciate you in the stream, wherever you're listening to this here podcast. And we will talk to you again tomorrow morning.